You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Austin, so I'll be the co-host for the show, as always. But I guess more importantly, my co-host for the show, as always, is Joe Pritchard. Joe, we're five days out from the Great Cup. How are you doing? Well, not only are my Winnipeg Blue Bombers <laughs> CFL champions, but I am also the CF Pod Network Fantasy Champion. Oh, nice. All right. Way to steal the lead, Matt. I was going to ask you about that, but please, please, let, how, how was victory won for the Rouge White Blue? Victory was won, and I can actually tell you exactly because I took a snapshot of these. <laughs> Isn't that the way? Actually, no, it's not even here. That's weird. Anyway, uh, let's see. Let's see if I can actually find that. No, I cannot. Well, <laughs> I'll just have to take my word for it. Like, so Andrew and I matched up three of five players. And so there's only five in the playoffs. I happen to take Stephen Dunbar and the, and the, um, Hamilton defense. He took the Winnipeg defense and somebody else. I can't even tell you who now. But Dunbar scoring a touchdown was basically the difference between our two teams. And I got to walk away coming from a sub-500 record in the regular season, just stormed through the playoffs, and here we are. Good for you. Good for you. Awesome. Congratulations. That's really great. My, okay, I'm gonna break then too. I mean, I gotta Go say, I, I called it right at the sports book, and I was clever <clears throat> and checked the weather report for the game. Clear, not too obnoxiously cold. So rather than bet the under, I took the over, which also paid out. Boy, that's, you gotta you gotta love overtime when you're betting the over in these games. And uh, Winnipeg came through for me as well, covering those points for which was, I think I had them at three. So good on me. Good on you. Excellent, excellent show, Joe. I would, speaking of excellent show, I'd like to talk briefly about the Great Cup. I know it's, I know it's, you know, we should already be talking about, for example, the 2022 schedule, but Let's have a little respect to history here. <laughs> let's let's not let this thing die uh, within like a week. Um, and I don't want to rush to put it into historical context either. Of course, we'll probably do that. But um, I don't mind talking about it a little bit more. I'm sure you don't, Joe. Oh, twist my arm. <laughs> for, again, for everyone that was complaining towards the end of the season, about woe is me, the CFL is boring. Damn, I hope they tuned into this. 
I did my part in trying to turn as many Americans who don't normally watch the CFL onto this game because hell, it was on ESPN proper, I think. Was it on? Oh, it was on two. It was on ESPN two. That's right. That was, <laughs> I, I tuned in on my local feed. And then for a long ass time, it was like some women's college basketball game. I'm like, what the hell is going on? They're screwing me. And so they had the pregame on ESPN News. Right? So, so it was on ESPN too. So I hope a lot of them watched that because they, this was quality CFL football in a lot of ways. Um, starting with the first quarter ending on a score of four to nothing. Right? How classic CFL is that? Um, how were you doing at this point in the game, Joe? I was fine. I was kind of hoping that they would have been able to stretch the lead a little bit further than seven and nothing right after the quarter, right after the quarter break. Cause I knew that Hamilton would have the win the next two quarters and it would be a matter of catch up in the fourth quarter. I didn't know how much if I'd have known then I might've freaked out a little bit, but Just knowing that they had wasted a few opportunities in the first quarter, I wasn't feeling too super great. But at the same time, it didn't look like Hamilton knew which way to go in the first mm-hmm. quarter. So I was thinking, man, maybe the defense is just going to have one of those games where they pretend it's the fourth quarter from the start. And no, no not quite. Uh, so the second, but they did for like 29 minutes hold it together until the very, very end of the end of the half and then i was like uh, (laughs) knowing that they got that close to the half without breaking and then they finally broke right that 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 didn't and then having to sit through halftime as long as it is for a championship game well those weren't the most pleasant moments of my life okay so you sit through an excruciating halftime and then I thought the deconstruction wasn't in place. Basically, the worst two plays, I mean, definitely in this game, at maybe since, you know, game two of this season, by Galeros, just telegraphing interceptions on this nearly back to back. Um, all right. So, again, real-time reaction. What was your reaction? How did you feel at this point? Not so hot. I knew the fourth (laughs) quarter was still to come, but it didn't come soon enough for my taste. Uh, 22 to 10 didn't feel all that good. (laughs) I wasn't done, but I could see the path to being done, and I didn't like (laughs) what I was seeing. (laughs) Okay, however, then you get the miracle interception, right? And, okay, for me, I I don't know. I didn't have a, well, I did a vote of the race as far as my betting goes. But at this point, I mean, isn't this when Winnipeg turns it around, like, the defense asserts itself here, right? Like, okay, we're not going to let our quarterback make that mistake twice in a row. 
without our support. And, you know, that's when, I won't say they turned the game around, but they got back. Yeah, holding Hamilton to a field goal in that stretch too, mm-hmm. um, where they actually did this three times in the game. But the second time especially was, that was a chance for Hamilton to land a knockout blow and they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So with right. them only up 12, it's you could still see this is a two-possession game if the Bombers can start putting the ball in the end zone. And then they had the nice drive to start the fourth quarter and put up three, which I, I don't know if I was a huge fan of the decision-making at that point. I don't <laughs> think I really was. But getting points on the board and then seeing Hamilton not being able to move the ball made me feel a whole lot better. And then the next drive goes down the field. They get they get in. Then, it, then you could see victory in sight at that point. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Right, but it, it was wild because it's exactly what you don't expect in that fourth quarter. It's not the Hamilton. Uh, it's not the Winnipeg defense taking over. Um, oh, and they did, you know, they did their share too. Yeah, but you know Hamilton still scored. A couple of times. So just just the one time in the fourth quarter, just the once, and that was to save their season at that point. That is true. Okay. Okay. I take it back. I take it back. You're right. You're right on that. But you got to like what the offense did. Yep. The offense owned the fourth quarter. Right. Right. Exactly. So really nice playing there. Again, hoping a lot of people saw this game. Now, what did you think about, I mean, like, how cool were the Bombers in the fourth quarter? All ball control, like never a question that they're going to lose it. And then they score the touchdown, and then they go for the two and, and make it. Well, what, did, what did you think about going for the two? Liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not more guts than brain? No. Because okay. you, get, you get to within one, and one point's in play at that point if you need it to tie. Hmm. Okay. They of course then go and kick the three and get the fourth because uh, because of the non-return out of the end zone by Tim White. And all of a sudden it's 90 seconds to go. They're up three. They just have to keep Hamilton from scoring for 90 seconds. And they had been keeping Hamilton from scoring for a full quarter. It felt pretty good at that, that point. It felt a lot less good in the last like 30 seconds when they decided to move the ball down on the field in chunks each play mm-hmm. until they got down inside the inside the TED. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit uh, nerve-wracking. Just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and how would you how would you rate overtime? That was pretty easy to take, huh? That was the easiest overtime I've ever had to deal with in my life. <laughs> You got the ball first. Right. Move big chunk first down. Right. Right. Yeah. Get the first down. And then I think I think there was the one play. I think Harris ran for two on the on the second first down of the series. And then oh yeah, wide open receiver touchdown. Okay. Now we got the two. Can we make it so that they have to eat to that Hamilton can't even beat us in the first overtime? 
And sure enough, open receiver. And all of a sudden now Hamilton needs everything to go right just to have another chance. (laughs) That's what people don't talk about too much when they talk about overtime strategy, because the general principle And it's not one I tend to argue with too much is you want to know how many points you need to score in one of these overtimes. So you tend to take the defensive side so that you know what your opponent is going to put up. So you know what you need to equalize. You know if you can make try a field goal attempt or you know, hey, I've got to get six. Mm -hmm. The downside to that scenario, though, is if the other team puts up eight (laughs) because then now not only do you have to score a touchdown on the drive there's one play that can kill you no matter what happens on your drive the two-point conversion and then you're in the same exact scenario you were just avoiding on the coin toss by needing to by needing to set the standard (laughs) so if you're so if you're the team that loses the toss and you have to go first yeah, might as well take it all the way. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting thing. Is this how you play tabletop? <laughs> no. <laughs> do, you, do you go for the two and overtime? Uh, right. Okay, so... All right. Well, again, congratulations to the 2021 Winnipeg Blue Bombers repeat champs. Congratulations to Joe for, you know, champion of the DFS CFL podcaster league uh first season i guess of this second second oh second season oh okay interesting format game i like that Mm -hmm. game uh (laughs) i would play that if i didn't have 400 other things going on uh let's see what else can we say well i guess you know zach galeros is the mlp a little bit anticlimactic joe i know you're not much of an awards guy sadly my wish for a defensive player to win the MLP was not fulfilled. Neither was my all-time fantasy of an offensive lineman getting such an award. But I was not exactly going to bet money on either of those eventualities in any case. So um, immediately after the game, I guess the hot take was, well, the Hamilton Tiger Cats need to rethink things. You know, this formula isn't working. Uh, what would be your hot take to that hot take, Joe? Uh, they've been in the Grey Cup quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grey Cup is a one-shot deal. They happened to catch Winnipeg at a terrible time two years ago when Winnipeg was hot and they just steamrolled Hamilton. Right. They caught Winnipeg at a good time this year, but a Winnipeg team that was so talented they were able to overcome not only having to go to Tim Hortons Field, they had to really kind of recalibrate from basically sitting a month, playing a terrible game against a rival, and yet still winning somehow. So they had to reset there. So they had a so I had a good scenario against a team that was this season a lot more talented and they almost pulled it off so we're looking at what was it 15 and 3 in 2019 this year was a little bit more of a struggle but they still went they still went into toronto 
and knocked the socks off of them in the second half. Yeah, to win the East. Oh, okay. If that wasn't a get, that wasn't a gimme. Um, so, so they're still they're still up there. There really oh, doesn't need to be a whole lot of recalibration. There needs to be a little bit of fine tuning. Uh, every every CFL team right now, like literally, like the whole league is on the free agent list. So there's going to be a lot of changes going on no matter what. But if they can keep that core, the core they have together, or you know, sixteen out of twenty two starters, they're they have to be one of the favorites in the East next year. But the argument could be this too. I mean, this season, okay, well, this season kind of gets an asterisk anyway in a lot of respects. But it's a, it was weird. This I'm season, not going to sugarcoat it. This was a weird season because of a well, lot yeah. of factors. Well, yeah, but on top of that, you say okay. But their main competitors in the Eastern side were a Lego construct and a team that had a franchise quarterback, if there ever was one, that blew up halfway through the season. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like this. I mean, you, you know, is this the window shutting? Because you have to believe that uh, Toronto and Montreal will be better next year if you know, their entire rosters don't go free agent. <laughs> right. So there's a little bit of that in there too, where so. you don't really know what you're going to be seeing next June until you get there. But especially if they can keep their coaching staff intact, mm. they're as good a bet as anybody in the East. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's way and, too early. It's yeah. way too early to make a prediction for next season. Right. Considering that it's almost like we're going to have a draft league next year with like right. everybody going various places potentially. Now I am seeing a few teams starting to sign their cornerstones, but with how weird things have been because of the canceled 2020 season with contracts, a lot of players are either coming up at the end of the two-year deals they signed before COVID hit or ending their one-year deal that they grabbed just so they had somewhere to play this year. It's going to be a pretty chaotic offseason. So whoever comes out best at the end of this offseason may be set for a couple of years because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet a lot of these players are going to be signing two, year, two or three-year deals, trying to find a little bit of stability in their lives after all this. Hmm. Hmm. Have any of these would-be free agents expressed any interest in playing for, say, the USFL? That's what I've seen. <laughs> just wondering. Yeah, I just, again, this is a bit of a tangent, but I was thinking today that one of the things that some CFL fans are going to be doing this offseason is, like, questioning the validity of the USFL, which begins play in March. Have they signed any players yet? I have no idea. I have Neither no do idea. I. I am so marginally following this thing. And you are the Twitter handle guy. And you're not even following this league. So not that closely, no. I might peek in from time to time, but I, I know it's just not built to last. <laughs> do it quickly because <laughs> it'll be more of a after about a year. Uh, right. So in any case, while talking of resignings, uh, I know that Vernon Adams and Eugene Lewis re-upped with the Alouettes, which is a 
really good sign. I mean, again, uh, Vernon Adams is about as close as you're going to get the CFL to a franchise quarterback. I mean, again, he's, he, he's on a Bo Levy Mitchell level for a CFL quarterback. So I guess that's good, but I don't, I don't know if I'm prepared for the heart attacks next season. Um, how, how many of your bombers might go free agent? Is there any idea num- on this? I think the most? number was like 35 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's always like this, right? It's like this every year. It's a little bit more this year, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like between 25 and 30. It's usually about half your roster. But this year it's more because, again, a lot of those two-year yeah. deals that got signed at the beginning of 2020 are coming to an end. Yeah. And then a lot of players signed one-year deals this year, not knowing uh, until, like, what, July, August, if this was even going to be a go this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, all right. It seems a bit early to be talking about next year, but apparently not according to the league, which, according to the tradition, and you know, COVID be damned, released the season schedule. Now, I don't know if this is in part put out to, you know, well, the apocalyptists like myself who, who worry about this season going off at all. Um, how confident are you in this season going off, Joe? What, 2022? Yes. I can't say that they're going to play the full thing. I mean, mm-hmm. things are changing on a daily basis again mm-hmm. because this pandemic apparently isn't going to end anytime soon. But they got 14 plus playoffs in this year without with one game being rescheduled. I feel pretty confident they'll find a way to play a, at least a similar amount next year, if not the whole thing. Athletes are in an interesting situation right now. Uh, the NFL, for example, it said that something like 96 to 98% of the guys in that league are um, vaccinated now. And yet they're going down by the bunch now, right? They're testing positive. They're having to do the quarantine, but they're asymptomatic and they have no lingering symptoms at all. Like it's, you know, at some point, uh, folks, I think, are going to have to say, well, you know, I mean, like this is the future and this is the way these megaviruses are going to work. You know, but we should be at the point now in a virus's lifespan where, yeah, it's pretty pervasive, but A, it's all the weak and all the strong strains have disappeared, right? That in theory, that's how it works, right? The strongest ones kill the host, right? So they can't be passed on and the weaker ones can't make it at all, right? So they die off as well. So you know, at some point, we're just going to have to go, well, this is the flu. And then you're going to sit a guy with flu-like symptoms, you know, COVID-like symptoms, and that's it. I mean, this may be by next year, by next year, but we're going into the winter, so it's not surprising that, that, you know, virus-related illnesses are up. Yeah, it's not surprising. Yeah. We'll have to see. I haven't had much luck predicting anything related oh, no. to that. So, of course not. Of course not. I just this is like a security blanket, right? Anybody who's making a prediction is just trying to make themselves feel better. 
right? I mean, yeah. present company excluded, of course. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, all right. So I wanted to ask you something related to the schedule. You tweeted this after the schedule came out. A tweet from at USFL Tecmo, otherwise known as Joe Pritchard. I'm trying not to get too excited as who the heck, oh, very nice joke. Who the heck knows where we, where we will be pandemic-wise in August. But seeing as Winnipeg is in Montreal in early August and Ottawa has a home game the next evening, I'm wondering if 2022 is the year I achieve CFL bingo. Here's hoping. Okay, I'm going to have to admit ignorance here what is meant here by cfl bingo that means montreal and ottawa are the two cities i have yet to check off to see a no game way in. really yep wow. i mean my first my first year i already hit saskatchewan and winnipeg and that's back in like 2006 i've been back to winnipeg plenty of times okay. since and, Re- and regina a couple times like in right. that early part anyway and okay. winnipeg is becoming a more standard visit for me at this point but i hit say 2015 i hit hamilton i hit bc in 2016 um nice and then toronto as well so that's five already and then i've gotten um the alberta cities uh edmonton calgary in the last couple gray cups before this past one so all i got left is Montreal, Ottawa, and maybe Halifax someday. Who knows? <laughs> also, do want to hit Touchdown Atlantic at some point, but uh, I'll satisfy myself with nine first. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're not including the U.S. cities in there, right? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm including cities that are actually achievable at this point. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you're going to love Montreal. Montreal's a joke city. When you go to these uh, CFL cities, are you just going for the game? Or do you not, hang out? Do you- not usually just for the game. Um, I mean, if I go to Grey Cups, I go for the Grey Cup Festival, of course. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because sure. my wife, for some reason, doesn't like to travel travel north in November for some reason. <laughs> Apparently, she's a smart one. Um, because she does not have lava in her veins neither do i but i also (laughs) lack some sort of common sense apparently or at least that's what i'm told Uh, but like the winnipeg visits lately are usually banjo bowl and i hang out with people and things like that but uh the hamilton one was a trip to niagara falls that we took a side trip to hamilton for just for the game and out um Vancouver was Vancouver, Seattle, <laughs> Peninsula, all in the span of about six days. So that was part of a that's bigger vacation. Awesome. Um, and that's kind of and that's the plan going forward too with some of these with with um, other cities being involved. But uh, and and that's kind of the hope too with like getting Montreal involved. And the reason I want to hit Ottawa like in the same trip is because they're close enough together and yeah it's been a few years now since our world got turned upside down and i really don't want to wait any longer to be able to mark this off because who knows 
what's going to change at this point. So if I've got the opportunity, oh. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get it. Mm. And mm. with Winnipeg in Montreal and then a game in Ottawa the next day, I mean, that's just like screaming at me to say, to yeah, great. try to plan it anyway. Cause yeah. Montreal was in the plans in 2020. I hadn't, we hadn't put mm. any money toward it yet or booked any flights or tickets or anything like that. But we're starting to look at that as, Hey, in a month or two, let's start looking at flights. Let's start looking at hotels and Oh my God, what the hell is happening in the world all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. All right. We've also, um, we also had kind of, we had Calgary in our back pocket in 2017, but then uh, we had a little boy uh, come around that year. So that right. got thrown out the window entirely. Right, right, right. So uh, having failed trips, our trips that we have at least started planning fall through isn't nothing new. So if it happens again in 2022, I won't be that shocked. Yeah. Well, I mean, May the force be with you. Good luck, et cetera, et cetera. Hope we get pulled off for yours and all our sakes, I suppose. Um, <laughs> the league's official site tells us that we're only 156 days away. Joe, how will you cope, man? I don't, I, I, I don't know what you mean. I think I might just have to have the Grey Cup on loop on my TV and just kind of <laughs> stare out the window and wait for summer. I don't know. The world's first, what, 90-minute gif. <laughs> the Grey Cup with all the commercials and halftime cut out. <laughs> just on a loop oh my god feel your brain will explode man um <laughs> have that thing memorized all right so aside from montreal ottawa let's see what other dates let's see i had a few notes here on this schedule the season starts a little bit oddly with montreal alouette's at Calgary Stampeders, they must have heard my prediction for the Grey Cup at the beginning of 2021 and scheduled this game in advance, thinking that was going to be the Grey Cup rematch, right? I mean, because I can't figure out why otherwise they're scheduling this game. Just from taking a glance at things, it looks like they're heavily, heavily loading East versus West early in the season and promoting division games near near to the end. Uh, and they're also unbalancing the schedule slightly. There's a few teams that don't play each other. or Well, they play each other, but they only play each other in one city and not both. So we're getting away from it from 16 games on your schedule already being determined in like a bit of a rotation as to who gets the couple extras for you. Now they're starting to lean toward more division games rather than less. Um, it's like they, they're halfway committed. Mm. I, I, I think Winnipeg has 11 division games and seven against the East. They do go to every city, uh, which is they're the this only year. team that does that. Everybody else huh. skips the city. No kidding. Okay, because right. I was looking for this and I was trying to find it. 
I don't suppose you have this hashed out. I don't. I don't okay. know exactly who doesn't play who. Like I, I saw a lot of people talking about, hey, we only played this team once or that team once or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not getting West teams aren't getting eight teams again, eight games against the East anymore. East teams are getting more East games. Uh, Hamilton and Toronto play each other four times in the span of five games in August and September. Nice. nice. We'll see. We'll see if anybody's alive at the end of that one or how many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> team personnel get themselves fired for saying nasty things to the fans. <laughs> yeah. How about it? Sounds some malice in the palace football style. Um, I kind of like that. That's kind of like a baseball series at that point, right? Yeah. It's kind of like I, 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 if they're gonna go that route, it's almost I almost wonder if they're if I almost wonder if they need to go another step further with it. And maybe have just six games against the East from the West or what have you, if you're really going to unbalance the schedule. Because right now it looks like you just kind of left a few things dangling. Like you only, there's only one team that Winnipeg doesn't, from the East that doesn't go to Winnipeg. Like if you're going to really lean into that, why not lean into it? But I don't know. I really don't like the idea. Because you need Anymore? another team in the East. That's why. <laughs> That's why. I really, I mean, I, yeah, I don't really like the idea of kind of going halfway. Like, you've got one more game against the West now if you're Winnipeg and one less against the East. Like, why don't you just do what you have been doing? 16 games are determined. You play some, two teams out East or out, out, out West three times. The East does the same thing. I don't know. Five teams. Five teams. The numbers work out so much better. You play each team. You play each team three times, and then you play each team on the other side. Like what? What would that be? Once? No, twice. No, you have two teams against the other side. Two, two, two games. And this, and this is where a tenth team would really aid in scheduling. Right. Exactly. Because you either exactly. numbers are easy on that. Because you either just say forget the divisions and lay out everybody plays home at home against everybody. <laughs> or you keep the divisions and have people yell about that. I mean, they're going to yell no matter what you're going to do, so you might as well just deal with it. Or if you've got 10 teams, five and five, you play everybody in the other conference once. You play everybody in your conference three times. And then that extra game is you go home and home with the team that finished the same as you did in your conference. So if you so like Winnipeg and Toronto would play each other twice in this scenario. And then second and second and third and third and fourth and fourth on down. That that works out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Cuz you go 12 in your division and then right. six against the other. Yeah. And that's right. where a 10th team makes the divisions. Right. That makes that math work. It'd be awesome. And it, then you can really lean into making the division games matter more, yeah. or you can lean a, or you can lean the other way and make the division games not matter at all and make the divisions irrelevant. Basically, it's yeah. your choice. You can go either way. Right now, I kind of feel like they're trying to determine which way to go, and they're kind of stuck in a halfway point between making the divisions really, really relevant or going back to what they have been doing. Well, here's the thing. The division table is, I mean, the um, 
the divisions, okay, is mm-hmm. not just about, you know, making a, a neat tournament format. I mean, pragmatically speaking, in the old days, and especially in Canada, it was about travel, right? It was mm-hmm. about, like, you know, and related to that, it was about what? Expenses, right? Well, guess what, CFL? Those realities are coming back now. And yeah, you're talking about, okay, I'm uh, Montreal, right? And I got to play at Hamilton versus at BC. Okay, you're talking about saving a few, what, tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, but in the CFL, that matters. You know, that's not just some dude's paycheck that he made in one quarter of one game. You know, that's not what he leaves for a tip to strip club. You know, that's like a proper amount of money in the CFL, right? So you take it, right? So I think what you should do is that. Now, the other thing is this. I'm if a that, big fan. That's the difference between making you or breaking you, though. They're pretty screwed already. Well, you take every little bit you can get, right? I mean, you, you, you learn how to economize. You learn how to cut corners, right? Uh, I think. Um, else, what are you, you going to do? be the new USFL, just throw out a bunch of money and lose it. I mean, you know, you should be smart. Yeah, the CFL tried that in the 90s. That didn't work. Right, exactly. Well, you know, maybe they should license uh, St. Louis a franchise uh, just to get that 10th team in there. <laughs> so, um, I, I really, that's the, that's the answer. It's just, I mean, if, if you've got people that think there's enough talent out there to form a whole other league of at least eight teams. I mean, there's got to be enough talent to make one more CFL team. You know and I mean? These days, if you're going to build a stadium in Halifax that only seats 15,000, what's the difference? Does Montreal draw that? You know? <laughs> I mean, will they get as much attention in their home market as Montreal? More. I mean, so why not? Just go for it at this point. I think this is one interesting thing about the future and about this whole COVID backlash, because that's also part of it, too. They decided during this season that they liked, you know, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Yeah, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg playing three times in four weeks. They decided they liked that. That was pretty cool. These back-to-backs against with two teams facing off. They like that. So, I mean, they're keeping it, right? So, and I think that's another effect of the COVID too, is that you're going to have a lot more East versus East, West versus West. Why not? But keep divisions. Divisions should mean something. Mm -hmm. They should mean something. And that, you know, yeah, the winner of the East, even if they're frigging nine and nine or worse, (laughs) should go to the Great Cup. Division means something. Yep. So, I mean, if they're, going to go that way lean into it a little bit more like right now you're a step away from what you've been doing this whole time if you're really going to do it do it okay so how do you lean into without i don't really have the numbers in front of me at the moment but you think that they used to do some crossover in between like 60 and 80 i want to say 60 was the first year they did any sort of interlocking 
it's it's okay. in that time frame anyway. We'll we'll have to ask Mike from uh, Superfan over at uh, Turf District to tell us exactly when, because I know he will. Uh, but eighty one was the first year they went fully interlocking, which was home and home with everybody. And this, I want to say, besides the U.S. years, which were anomalies, let's you know, doing any sort of historical schedule research or anything like that. And looking at those three years makes my head spin. But <laughs> wiping those out and going to what we consider the modern day CFL since eighty one. 2022 is the first year i believe that they haven't planned to do home and home except for 2021 but you could write you could have written that off to we're just happy to jam a season in here and we're okay with having a few scheduling quirks but now you're going and making it official policy by doing it in 2022 taking that home and home away something that's been around longer than i've been alive Yeah, this thing about like uh, not playing another team is pretty wild. Now, right, everybody plays everybody once this next year. There's no uh, Winnipeg Ottawa scenario where they don't play at all. Right, right, right. But fans, let's say, and this is a hypo. This is just off the top of my head. This isn't actually one of those things. Actually, you know what? I got one that actually does because I remember Vince talking about this. Ottawa is not going to Calgary for the second year in a row in 2022. Calgary goes to Ottawa, but Ottawa does not go to Calgary. And that is the thing that is now um, you could have, you can excuse that in 2021 again, because we were just happy to, uh, uh, we were just happy to get a season in and we we're going to deal with whatever weird, random little things like that showed up. But now, what does an Ottawa fan in Calgary do? He doesn't get to see his team for two years in a row. Well, yeah, but TV, right? That's why everybody watches TV, right? Sure, <laughs> but in a league that in a league that's that really needs the gate, uh, yeah, yeah. Now they are talking about some form of revenue sharing, which is something yes. that they haven't done much at all. Yes. So that might become a little bit less relevant as to who draws 30 and who draws 20 or worse. Mm-hmm. But we'll that see how be, that all shakes out too. That would be excellent. That, that's an excellent idea. I'm shocked that it doesn't exist already because why wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, aside from a few, a few freak shows like the Argonauts in the early 90s, I mean, you don't often see spending sprees. You don't often see teams outspending each other in the NFL. Yeah, no, it just doesn't happen. So, all right, I'm trying. Okay, I'm looking at the Alouette schedule because you made me think something. And yes, yes, I'm correct. This will be the second year in a row that Calgary doesn't come to Montreal either. Right, because mm-hmm. they're not uh, that that early game. That what week one game? Yeah, the opening day game. I was just talking about it. Is at Calgary, and then that's it. And last year it was the same thing. They played them early in that in that weird three week stretch at the beginning of the season at Calgary. 
crazy. Wow. That's a slight, that's one game, right? That's a slight competitive disadvantage, but only slight. <laughs> it's just something that hasn't existed for 40 years. And <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> minus. And then, Minus wow. the weird, minus the weird stuff, the the years that they were supposed to, that they were doing their normal thing. This wasn't it. Hmm. It's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Like they're changing the, they're changing the backbone of what the schedule is supposed to be. Hmm. Interesting. The. Um... The Alouettes also have four back-to-backs. They have four, uh, yeah, uh, double headers: <laughs> Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, uh, Ottawa, and Toronto. In fact, the season goes versus Ottawa at Ottawa versus Toronto at uh, Toronto. That's that's how the Alouette code do. So, yep, regionalism returns to the CFL. Uh, let's see. What else struck me about this? Oh, yes. Also, uh, I noted that there are three triple letters this season, including one to finish the season. So we got it like that. That's V20 in October 29. Joe, I got a question for you. I was thinking about this today. Okay. Let's assume you got you to put your optimistic cap back on. Let's assume that everything goes according to plan. We more or less get the CFL schedule more or less on time. What's more insane, that we have a new CFL season in five months or that in less than a year, we're already going to be talking about the next Blue Bombers Grey Cup win? Three in a row. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll take it. So, so it's crazier to think that in five months we'll have a new season. Would you yeah. say? Okay, that's a quick turnaround, and I yep. don't mind that at all. Yep, yep, yeah. But it's it's going to be wild if some of these teams get shuffled up again. You get like what four or five teams looking like the Argonauts did this year, or the Elks fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be wild. It'll be wild. Well, I, I'm, I'm just glad Montreal has our cornerstones back. Uh, I guess Standback is still on the contract because I don't think he's one of those 5,000 free agents out there. So let's hope Alouette's fans. Right. Okay. Joey, got anything else to leave us on? Three in a row sounds good to me. People <laughs> just. Maybe maybe as... we'll do five or six. Yeah, we're going full LeBron no. James, not no. two, uh, not three, not four. I, I, I did. I'd be, I'd be over the moon if that happens. But I actually, I'm not going to go so far as to actually predict that. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you might literally be over the moon. All right. Well, I don't know when we're going to be back, but soonish when when something interesting or relevant pops up when the Argonauts officially joined the XFL, I guess. So what you're saying is never. <laughs> this is our last show. <laughs> is this your way of telling me? <laughs> right. 
Joe, I hate to tell you, <laughs> we're not going to do another show until hell freezes or the Argos join the XFL. Oh, we're screwed then. <laughs> we will be back. The Rouge, Red, and Blue will be back. But until we are, for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, I'm Oz Davis, and we're out of here. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the offseason. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.